Yeah. Well, here we are. Episode three. Everyone has a crazy story. Email me if you want. Crazystories44 at gmail.com. So, this next one is uh, is a crazy story, for sure, from my world. Um, I haven't spoke, I haven't said it verbally, I don't know, in a long time. But uh, I thought about it before putting this episode down, for sure. But uh, it's... Uh, so I already did some background on where I grew up and how I grew up a little bit, but this story is from August of 1999, and um, I had just gotten back home from a two-year run in uh, North Carolina, living down on the beach, oceanfront, cooking and whatever, anyway, and I was back living with my mom and dad, just moved back in like July, and uh I was a cook at a restaurant around the way, and I had, you know, was just getting back into the flow of things, so I was settling in there for a little while, didn't know what the next move was, and so I was seeing all my old friends, all my solid friends, all my friends that are still my friends today, basically, most of them, and, uh, you know, we were just running around all the time. Every night was a, you know, work night, so a free night, you know, and... This had to be, like, during the week. It was probably, like, a Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, something like that. And that was the summer. That summer was crazy. I I remember getting my first cell phone that summer ever. Uh, it was, all you know, that original Nokia brick that I think most people jumped off with. Um, so that cell phone era that we're still in was just kind of jumping off. Um, and... So, my buddies and I, my friends, a handful of us, we were like, let's go do something different. Let's go, you know, different meaning like just something we don't normally do every night. And we kind of gathered up two factions of the group. Certainly wasn't everybody, but it was like one car full of ladies that we hung out out with. Not like girlfriends or anything like that. They're like solid friends, you know, best friends, if you will. And then uh, then a group of guys, a group of dudes. And in that car, the guys was my buddy Danny, my dog, my man. You know, he's still to this day. Talk to him this week. Still to this day, my brother for life. And he was driving. He was just back from probably a three-year run out in Colorado. He had just moved back, too. So he had just come back. He was home. With, didn't know the next move and uh I don't know where he was oh, I know he was living uh he was living I think in like Howard County Maryland but um yeah definitely no because we ended up at his house uh, anyway so we'll get there but so he was living in Howard County with his pops and um and he was driving and he was gonna pick us all up or we had him you know we actually met at his spot we all met out in Howard County at his uh at his uh, condo he was living at with his dad. But anyway, so he was driving his Saab. It was a white Saab, two-door, five-passenger. And in the passenger seat was another one of my dogs, man, another one of my best friends for life, a guy named Joel. And he just talked to him, too, like last week, texting with him today. Like, still, these guys are my solids. But so... 
he was in the passenger seat and just to lay a land you know just to describe it just so everybody can get a visual picture so so danny's like you know white dude at this stage i was only 20 so i was i, I think i had just turned 20 in july of that year and uh and so that that played into what we did because i wasn't 21 yet and but danny joel and then and then the uh the other guy uh the other couple guys were all 21 everybody else everybody else rolling was 21 even the other car full of full of people so in the car was danny white dude you know just uh you know uh, I don't know how else to describe him. Just, I don't know. We're all kind of rough back in the day. You know, we were just rough. Like, we were all rough. But, uh, so Danny, white dude in the driver's seat. Joel, 6'6", African-American dude. Half, had some Italian in him. Tall dude. He was in between. He was in the, he was in between at that, I think in that stage. And I didn't ask him about this. He didn't know, you know. I talked to him, but I didn't tell him I was telling the story. But I think in my memory, he probably was between uh, junior college and Rutgers. He was a basketball player, played played ball, still plays to this day, I'm sure, in the driveway. Um, But uh, with his boys. But so he's in the the passenger seat. In In the back seat, so I was right behind Danny in the back seat. And uh, in the middle was like a short, short, the shortest dude in the car, just trying to give a lay of the land, another African-American dude named Jason. He had like short little dreads, little, little ones, little ones. Danny always kept his hair real short, but he was like a hairy motherfucker, you know, with like always some beardish going on. And then, uh, and Joel, you know, at the time, you know, when he rolled up the records, he was rolling a fro huge. Um, I don't know what his hair was like at the time, but anyway. So in the back seat, I was behind Danny. And then just a regular, you know, just a white dude, you know, that's me. And then Jason in the middle, because he was the shortest, so he sat, got the got the middle seat in the back. That's never the fun seat little african-american dude little short dreads and then behind joel was uh our friend tony and tony ended up you know at the time he probably owned a he did he owned a pretty nice landscaping business that he grew you know from when he was in high school and up through the then he sold it off and he actually him and his lady at the time way back then started this granola company that took off now you know i know he's still on the road working you know working for the company he created or you know and uh and I know he's not with the lady anymore, but their partner's on it. And, and it's actually a pretty well-known company. We'll just leave it at that. But so Tony at the time, though, Tony at the time had um, had dreads, white dude dreads, like down to his tail, down to his butt. And it was crazy about those dreads, actually, is from the last story. My guy Yost actually put those dreads in his hair like three or four years earlier, you know, two, two three years earlier, whenever that was, when, I, when we were seniors in high school. And so this is like, you know, several years later now, and Tony never got rid of them for, for a long time. And now they were like, you know, they were like legit, thick, you know, natty, natty dreads. And uh, so that's the car. That's the lay of the land of the car. Two-door car. So we all, all had to pile in behind the passenger seat to get in the car. So we decided to, 
to go to go to Baltimore because where we're from, where we were from, was much closer to D.C. Like out of the two big cities in Maryland, uh, you know, D.C. has my heart. You know, that's where I grew up close to. That's what I was most familiar with. That's what I worked the closest to. All that Baltimore, we go to baseball games and stuff like that. We ride up there, but we didn't really. I didn't. Me personally, out of the group, I didn't really hang in Baltimore too often. But I know Danny did quite a bit at a certain point and whatever. But so this this uh, but there's a corridor between D.C. and Baltimore. And Danny kind of lived in the middle at that time. And and uh, and so we decided something different. And you know, and since I was 20, you know, we did, we want to go to a strip club, but you know, strip club you know, under 20, I mean, under 21 was hard to find, but there was one in Baltimore and I could probably look it up, which one it was probably still there, you know, but people might know which one it was. It was right by some train tracks, like right. And probably, probably the proverbial train tracks. Right. You know, (laughs) but it was right by some train tracks, but the way they operated was they were under 21 because they, it was BYOB. So you had to bring your own drinks and then, you basically walked in with brews and, and, you know, a case of beer or something, whatever. And then they sold it back to you somehow, you know, tickets or whatever. I don't know, because I was under 21, so I wasn't going wasn't gonna to be drinking. But basically the reason we were going there was because I was, I was underage. So, so we pile in the car and we head up to the ball, we head up to Baltimore and we were wild back then, you know, and that, that always we were wild. So the car was already, you know. It was, you know, paraphernalia, whatever you want to call it, you know, wild in the car, you know. Plus, we were bringing bringing beers in, you know, they were bringing beers into the club. So, anyway, we get up to the club. We meet our, our little, you know, other group, which was all ladies that were meeting us there, just friends. You know, it was just going to be a crazy wild night, you know, just a, another one to remember probably no matter what. And, uh, and we went in and, uh, you know, you can imagine it. It was... In my memory, it was like body to body, you know, it was like a different type of strip club if anyone's ever been to one, right? I don't want to make too many assumptions and whatever, but a lot of people have been to a few. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But this one was different. It was like a, it was like a, like there wasn't like seats around the, the, the bar, you know, the bar was like a, or the, the dance bar was like a U and it was just like it's just a lot of bodies just standing around, you know, like right up on the on the at the stage, if you will. And they had a back bar where like you go up and get your tickets. You know, they give you tickets when you walk in and you went back and got your beer, bought your beer back, basically. And they gave you one at a time. And, you know, maybe I had a beer in there. Maybe somebody gave me one. Maybe not. I don't, I don't think so. I don't remember drinking a beer when I was in there. I don't I remember being pretty heavily enforced. You know, if you walked in and got the wrong bracelet or the x on your hand or whatever it was that you didn't get nothing and they were regulating it pretty hard people walking around in the crowd or whatever but you know it was a it was a good it was what you can imagine just imagine a full sea of people just all you know it was a younger crowd because they let people under 21 in so it wasn't like a old man you know seedy nasty it probably was all that i guess but it wasn't like you know old dude sitting around a a strip club dance floor whatever you call it dance stage you know being all grimy and it was just a bunch of you know people like in a club with like a a strip club aura <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it but in my memory it was mostly like a club you know with a with a big use strip club strip dance 
stage. And, you know, so we had a great time. I mean, in my mind, you know, it was, it was, you know, mostly chit-chatting with my friends around the, you know, tables and whatever and talking to my lady friends and smoking butts and going outside and, you know, whatever back in. And, you know, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a righteous time, you know, one for the record books, but as it was getting time to go, you know, it was getting late in the night and, you know, and the crowd was starting to dwindle down. It wasn't too many heads in there. I mean, it was still way more people than I knew in there, but I know Danny, Danny at the time, you know, and, you know, he, he could, you know, he didn't really take much shit from anybody, you know, still doesn't to this day who does, right? None of us do. None of us did, but you know, I don't really know what happened, how, how it started, but I know he got into some little tussle with somebody and, you know, I didn't really see it start. I didn't really see it end. You know, I saw some spit flying back and forth. You know, I saw, I remember we grabbed him and we kind of pulled him out and we, and we pulled him out of the joint. We pulled him out of the club and we were already kind of lit, packing up saying goodbye to our, our other folks, but you know, that was it for us in there. You know, when that, when that, when that shit started to go down with Danny was, was time to go. So we, we pulled them all out. The the five of us in our car, you know, four of us plus, you know, plus him, we pulled them out. And we're like, you know, all right, time to roll. And we're walking through the parking lot, which was like a gravelly parking lot. You know, it wasn't all nice and paved and lit up and nothing like that. It was right next to some train tracks and, um, you know, and Danny was still heated, you know, from whatever just went on in the joint. And, you know, he just put his boot right through somebody's driver window. One of the cars were parked, and uh, and me and we were like, "What the fuck, dude?" We were like, "Yo, dog, karma, man." We were like, "Dude, you don't know if that was that dude, you know? You know, odds are odds are high, you know, wasn't that many cars in the parking lot?" Like, but we were like, "Whoa, dude!" You know, put his Timberland right through this uh driver's side window and uh, i remember me and that kid jason like dude karma danny come on what the fuck man don't fuck with karma you know that shit always bite you and but whatever you know it, it is what it is right so we didn't it was no, no no tussle between us or anything like that it was just like damn yo let's go what the fuck so we jump in the car and now I, i'll be honest you know like i at this stage this point i probably you know i hadn't had nothing to drink if i had it was like a sip here or there maybe a beer maybe but I wasn't, you know, I was underage. I was the only one underage in the car, you know. And the story would be totally different, really, if I if I had said, give me the damn keys. But but I didn't. I didn't. But what I did do is I said to myself, well, shit, I'm definitely going to sit behind Danny. I'm definitely going to sit behind the driver, you know, because and buckle my belt. So we all pile in the car, and I buckle my belt. And, and that, you know, kids, everybody makes dumbass decisions in life you know and that's maybe what the moral of this story is who knows what the moral is there ain't no lessons here it's just a crazy story so we we pile in the car after the after the club and we uh we get we get up you know we pull out we we make our way over to 95 because that's where we had to jump on to and we're on the highway i remember you know i remember baltimore still being like to our right 
and Danny's looking for a CD. You get back in the day, right? We were listening to CDs in in his in his window, you know, visor, you know, above Joel's head over the passenger seat. And Danny's and and the car was swerving a little bit, you know. We were swerving a little bit on ninety five. There's no doubt. But we were we were in the left lane, and we weren't on ninety five very long. We were we were only on man before you know we were only probably like five minutes. We were on the highway before. And a little swerving while Danny's looking for CDs or whatever before, you know, we get blue lights right behind us. Probably blue and red, right? I don't know. The lights, right? Unmistakable. We're like, shit, right? Danny, karma, dog. What the hell? You know, now we're like, now we're all right. Uh oh. Stuff's, stuff's a gamble because the car was loaded with paraphernalia and there was like a busted open 30 pack of 30 rack of beer on the floor in the back you know with bud lights rolling around or something who knows probably bud ice back in the day right 99 bud ice and uh rolling around like literally loose beers just like on the floor like you know it was like rut row what's gonna go down now right so we pull over danny pulls over to the left side of 95 so he's like the driver's side of the car is next to the Jersey barrier. And the cop pulls up behind us and obviously sitting there for a hot second, probably running the plate, calling it in or whatever. And Danny rolls the window down, lights up a butt, you know, where I don't remember what we were chatting about at that moment. We probably weren't chatting. We we're probably like, shit, fuck. All right, calm down, quit, sit up, you know, turn the radio down, whatever, whatever, right? We were, and so Danny's lighting the light up, lights up a cigarette and smoking a cigarette, you know, and uh, and the cop walks up, you know, and he winds his window down and asks him for his driver's license and registration. I remember the cop saying something about like, "Don't blow that in my face" or "Put that cigarette out" or, you know, he kind of got on Danny real quick for that for that cigarette, and and then the cop walked back to his car, and now we're all sitting there and we're like just sitting there. And I remember Danny just kind of looking back at us, looking over at Joel and going like, yo, if another cop car pulls up, I'm going to jail. And we were like, you know, we were all kind of thinking that already. Right. <laughs> but what did he mean? Right. So what do you mean, Danny? What, 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 what do you mean, doc? And he's like, well, I just left Colorado and I think I got a felony warrant for me out in Colorado. We're like, what? What? what dog like what would have been nice to know homie like i mean you know i bust his ball he's gonna call me you know we're gonna talk after this he's gonna be like what Nah, i mean with nothing he would have like come out and said but but the way he told it the way he was like yo if another cop car pulls up i'm going to jail you know he knew you know he knew and uh and so we didn't know what to think at that moment we were like okay now what so we're still sitting there for a while and Sure as anything, two more cop cars pull up behind that other one behind us. So now there's three back there. And the cop, the original cop gets out, walks back up to Danny's side of the car, leans in, looks around. Like, Mr. Harris, would you mind stepping out, stepping back to my vehicle with me? And he's like, yeah, sure, sure. And he gets out, he walks back. And we're all sitting there, right, for like another five, ten minutes, just like, shit, like, like, you know, and I'm already saying, like, well, I'll drive, you know, I had nothing to drink, you know, if they, if they give us the car, like, who knows, right, I'm looking around the car, it's like, whoa, man, you know, like, 
all finds all types of stuff in our, in our, you know, for that was all of ours, not just not just Danny's. I mean, not, you know, this isn't you know, it's not all him at this stage of the game. So like, well, are they going to even give us the car? What's going to happen? We still don't know. Right? We don't know if we're going to jail. We don't know what's going on. So about five minutes go by, and then the car just gets lit up with spotlights. Like all of a sudden, all their little spotlights on their mirrors popped on and just lit the car up from the back. So. You know, it's kind of an odd light. You know, we're on the side of the highway on 95, which is busy already. Baltimore's right to our right. Big city right off 95. Anybody's been on that road before. And in that spot, at, at, you know, at like 1 in the morning, you know, 12 at night, you know, like late. And and so now the car's lit up. And they get on the bullhorn. And they're like, pass, and they're like passengers, everyone put your hands up. So we all in the car put our hands up. And they're like first pat, and now they're exiting. It's called a felony exit. I looked at, I looked, you know, somebody told me. I don't know if I looked it up or somebody told me later, but it's called a felony exit. And uh, so they they said, pat, you know, keep your hands up, passenger. Open your door and step out. And they were talking to Joel, of course. So he stepped out. He put kept his hands up, you know, and and then when he gets out, all right, walk backwards with your hands over your head. So they, we didn't, you know, they they weren't letting him turn around. Like they were, he was walking backwards to them from the car with his hands up, and the three of us are still in the back seat. And so then, you know, next passenger can't keep your hands up. Step out of the vehicle, you know, from the bullhorn. So Tony now behind Joel, you know, flops the seat forward and steps out with his hands up. Walk backwards. Same thing. Next passenger, exit with your hands up, and so Jason does that. Right now, I'm only one left in the car. Danny's window's down, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Man, I got my hands up, but I got my seatbelt on. Like, like nobody else had the seatbelt on in the car." And so now I'm thinking, like, I gotta put my hand down to unbuckle my belt. Like, what's it gonna like gonna light it up, light the car up? Because I made a fast move to put my seatbelt down. Like, what? So like, last nice passenger, put you know, exit the car. So I like put my head forward to yell out Danny's window and I'm like, yo, I got my seatbelt on. So they, they, you know, go ahead, buckle your seatbelt, unbuckle your seatbelt. And I got out of the car and walked backwards and they, they, they cuffed me right away. They cuffed all of us. We were all sitting there with their hands behind our back, sitting against the Jersey barrier and, uh, cops walk up, you know, and at that point we had nothing on us. I mean, (laughs) we had plenty of time to really exit the car clean if you will and uh and a cop walks up to us and tells us you know hey danny's uh dan you know your your friend you know we've discovered had a warrant for his arrest he's he's uh he's coming with us and can anyone drive and i was not reluctant at all but i was like yeah i mean i can drive i haven't had a lick to drink tonight and he looked at me and he put the flashlight in my face and he was like, nothing? You've had nothing to drink tonight? I said, sir, I'm 20 years old. I'm not, I'm underage. I'm not allowed to drink. I have had nothing to drink tonight. And so he said, all right, well, we're going to search the vehicle and then we're going to decide to let, you know, decide what to do next. So two cops came up, you know, with flashlights from either side, on either side of the vehicle and, you know, jumped in, flopped the seat over. I mean, they looked. With flashlights, two cop, two guys, two men, you know, in that car for, I don't know, if 
five, ten minutes. Who knows, man? I have no idea. <laughs> and they got out of the car with nothing. Walked by that guy. I don't know if they gave him a nod, a wink, whatever. And he looked back at me and he said, okay, you can take the keys. You can go. So we loaded back in the car. And I'm like, man, are they going to pull me over like in five minutes? Like, am I going to start the car and pull out on a 95? And then 30 seconds later down the road, they're going to pull me over? Like, that'd be crazy. But that was like that was what I was thinking. Because those dudes got out of the car with nothing. I mean, I was like looking in the backseat. There was like beers on the floor of the car, you know. And, uh, and, and I just, I just, I was perplexed. Because I'd been in a situation similar that did not go that same way. And not, not, not really similar in the sense that, you know, my buddy Danny had a, had a warrant. You know, I hadn't been in that type of situation. But I hadn't been in other car situations where the cops did not, you know, f- you know think fondly of anything in the car that wasn't supposed to be there. And uh, in this situation, they just handed me the keys and said, go ahead. So... We got back in the car and we pulled out. You know, now we're like, we're one short. We're missing our man. Like, no man left behind, right? But what do we do? What can we do at this point? Like, you know, I know we asked some questions. I know we asked him about, you know, how to get him out. You know, some brief questions that he didn't really answer to our to our ability, you know. And, I mean, luckily, I do believe it was a weekday. So, you know, he was basically like, you know, he's going to be in for at least the night because... Ain't nobody, you know, ain't no magistrate, no judge going to look at this until the morning, whatever. But we still wanted, like, to get him out somehow. So we didn't know, you know. And at the time, I know I had a cell phone. I don't know if everybody in the vehicle had a cell phone. But it wasn't like nowadays where, you you know, in that situation, the passenger would have been, like, on, on their iPhone Googling something, right? It was like the phone was just a – you just it was like a phone at your house. You just dialed a number and talked to somebody, right? You couldn't look anything up if you didn't have the knowledge or the phone number or a phone book in front of you. There wasn't any, like, special way to find out who to call if they weren't in your contacts, right? So we didn't, like, call anybody or, like, until we got back to Danny's condo. So we got back to Danny's condo. Obviously, we had his keys. We had the keys to his house, the keys to his car. And I'll never forget being in his uh, in his bedroom when we got back. Like, who do we know that maybe? I mean, not that anybody had any money, right? Not that there was anybody we could call up, you know, some some fat sugar daddy or something. Be like, yo, you got some money? We can-. And we were just like, somebody's got to have a couple bucks, you know? Who, who, who? And our dog, you know, one of our, another one of our dudes, man, that I'm still as tight as tight could be with today. Well, you know. I mean, time and space and life, right, distance. But a guy I'd die for today still, you know, a guy named Sanjay. You know, we were like, well, Sanjay's working, you know, full time. You know, we know he had a pretty good job. I don't remember what he was doing. He was still at college, you know. But at any rate, we all decided that he was going to be the one with the most potential possibility with some dollars. And we call him up middle of the night now. You know, he's, he answers phones. I love what? And we're like, yo, Danny got arrested, got a warrant. You know, we want to try and bail him out. He's like, yo, guys, it's, it's like 1, 2 in the morning. Like, call me in the morning. <laughs> that conversation was short. And he might have a different memory of that conversation. But it was short. And it was like, just quick. And we, you know, so we got out the phone. And like, I'll be honest. Like, you know, I don't know. In hindsight, you know, what there was, what the right move to do was at that moment. You know, I know what we did, which is really nothing. I mean, I think we called his dad. I think we called John. And then we at least left a note for him. Um, I don't know if we end up talking to him because he wasn't in the house. I know he wasn't there when we got there. And, um, 
you know, I know, I know we left a note. I'm pretty sure I talked to him the next day, you know, but as far as Danny goes, I mean, he was definitely locked up, you know, and I'll have some, I'm realizing now after the first one, not too much, you know, secondary commentary after the last one, you know, last episode, I probably had my boy Yosta on, you know, after this one, you know, I might do a additional like add on piece or a follow up with like a, you know, how this story was from Danny's perspective. I think that'd be a really good addition. Like maybe the next episode will be like the same story, but Danny's Danny's version of it, you know, but, uh, but so like, I don't, I mean, even though he's like one of my best friends to this day, which is like, you know, over 20, almost 22 years since this happened, since this story, but you know, we were friends long before that, but like, you know, I still don't exactly know, you know, I'm sure he's told me, but I know he was, I know he was locked up for, you know, if that was like a Wednesday, Thursday, I think he was still in locked up through that weekend into the next week while they figured it all out. I know he didn't have to go right back to Colorado way right away. And maybe he never did. I don't, I don't know, but I know, I know like there was a moment when they were worried about, you know, him getting extradited or something like that, or we were at least, but he didn't have to go, he didn't have to fly back to Colorado under like, you know, like with handcuffs on him or anything like that. But, and I know he dealt with it or whatever, um, eventually, but you know, it was, uh, I think it would be valuable to have his take on this story. So, you know, it was just one of those stories that like, you know, it would have always been a memorable night, but you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure in hindsight it's still memorable. Maybe he wants to forget it for Danny, you know, and then the other, all the other cats in the car, you know, it was just one of these like, you know, we'll never, we'll never let, you know, never lose that story, but it, it certainly wasn't exactly the way we wanted it to go down. You know, I don't know if there's any lessons from it or not, but, um, you know, it's uh, maybe karma is a lesson. I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? Who knows what the lesson is from that? There's plenty of them, though, I'm sure, right? But, I mean, plenty. I don't even need to state, you know, that now in these older years of my life, certainly would have operated differently or told my younger self to do to 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 do something that was you know different take you know drive or whatever you know who knows right who knows but you know that's uh that's a crazy story you know handcuffed on the side of the road on the side of 95 in the middle of the night staring at the city of baltimore facing the city of baltimore just the big lights of the city with your main dog locked up in the back of the car gonna be for days after that like you know i guess that's a notch in the belt that a few have and don't want and i have and will always have so that's my crazy story for the moment till the next time